machine, you know, and got well, the time out, time out. This cab driver turned you loose on the interstate on a four lane freeway. He he made sure to hit the brakes soon enough to stop right on seven. <laughs> wow, on the shoulder in the interstate, and, and the door shut behind me. <clears throat> no key. I had to go down to the office in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, boys. You will never believe what I just found in my shoe. <laughs> so still to this day, we're looking for the other snake skin. Yeah. I oh, just yeah. went through Boys Town, Iraq. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we took more rockets and mortars in one volley on five warhorse than there ever was in during the conflict in Iraq. They'd have a rail rocket or a mortar on the back of a truck inside a garage. Mm-hmm. They'd open the garage door, back out, fire, and pull back in and drop the garage door. But it's almost conditioned, right? Well, well, start with start, it, it started with a participation trophy. Oh, yeah. Snarl at me, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you cross a line, if Coach Ron were here, you're out bigger than Nuh-uh. shit. You oh, know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right oh, there. Sure. And I see it more in the youth wrestlers than any other sport, hands down. All right, Aaron Tatum. Yes, sir. Ain't seen you in eight years. It's been about that. Eight or years. So. Um, what are you doing now? I am a helicopter mechanic at Fort Rucker, Alabama. How did you become a helicopter mechanic? Well, you see what happened. Oh, Hillbilly. Hillbilly from South Alabama is working on Whirly Birds. How'd you get there? (laughs) Well, my whole family's aviation, and uh, I figured I'd go in the Army and try something different. And the recruiter lied to me, number one. Oh, no. They don't do that. He showed me a video, and they was outside in the woods with sticks and stuff. And yeah, uh, uh-huh. I was like, sign me up. I yeah. like sticks. Of course, yeah. And uh, come to find out, no, sir. What was you doing? Behind a computer. Hmm. So no where, did, where did you two meet, Dustin? All right, all right. Here's the story. So Let's hear this. I was at Fort Hood. I was assigned to a headquarters unit, um, and I got a phone call. Hey, we got a new soldier. We need you to come get him in mm-hmm. processing. And that was just right across the parking lot. I mean, a couple hundred yards maybe. So I walk over there, and they're like, this hillbilly here is who you're after and he said well my truck's right here you just we'll just take my truck and go from there and i jumped in his truck and uh he was playing some music i forget what it was but something that most people don't know but we clicked right in mm. he knew it i knew it nobody else knew it we just clicked right in got him set right up there. we were drinking the very first weekend love at first sight it really was me. it was love at first sight <laughs> i mean do you, do you not see us we're we, gorgeous yeah see Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. Marriage material. But anyway. Heterosexual life partners. I I won't disagree with that. And the stories just start piling up from there. Almost all of them involve drinking. (laughs) No, sir. Every one of them. Yeah. As most good stories should. I don't think think there's any story. I mean, the, the hairy situations we got in, these probably won't come out in any particular order. But I can tell you right now, one that that I tell people and I'm, I'm kind of sometimes I don't like telling people because I, I feel like they think I'm lying about it because it's so out there it feels like it's so exaggerated but it's so true I don't like telling people because I know they're like ah that didn't really happen <laughs> that didn't really happen but it did kind of like shooting a dove at 100 yards in your boat well you know see I got one witness and I'm pictures. here to tell you it happened <laughs> so I mean, shit like that. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. But one one story that I'm that I'm speaking of with him, we went to Austin, and I think it was <laughs> I think it was on New Year's, New Year's Eve, and here it is, New Year's Day. Because it was definitely cold. If this is the story, I believe you're telling. 
Yeah, it was very cold. Uh, so we're broke. We're in the army. We we brought home six hundred bucks every two weeks. We we ain't got any money. So that's a, that's a crucial portion of this story here. Let's hear it. So we get down there and we decided that we were going to sleep in the truck. We weren't going to stay in a hotel. We couldn't really afford it. So we parked in this parking lot. I think it was like a CVS or something like that. It was a... <laughs> Went the safe route. Yeah. It was either a CVS or a small grocery store. Something like that. And we decided, all right, we are going to take this much cash. And it wasn't much, like 40 bucks or some <laughs> shit like that. We're going to leave our debit cards here. That way we don't spend that much money in the Ooh. truck. You see where Ooh, this is going? I can see where this is going. That's a bad decision right there. I agree. We were young, dumb, broke. So we go downtown Austin and we get... I mean, tore down, tore down in a hurry, and we decide, all right, well, let's, let's, we're done. We're going back to truck. We get back there, no truck, <laughs> <laughs> no, no truck, we're, dude. Where's my car? <laughs> <laughs> we're standing there, drunk as a cooter brown, trying to figure out what the heck just happened, or if we're even in the right spot. And what time? At what time of night or morning of is this? Right. This here? was probably about. Midnight or one. Midnight or one. So it's, reasonable. Shit's closed down. We closed down the bars. Okay, then it okay. was definitely later. Like, like two, three, maybe? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're asking the wrong wrong people. We was there, but we wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah. So we were to the point where like, hey, is this really the parking lot we parked in? And this, mm. that, and the other. And um, So we, we finally established that was definitely where we parked. And we definitely established that there were no parking signs or we'll be towed that we didn't see prior. Okay. <laughs> so we call we call the number on there and he's like, Oh yeah, we got you know, we got the car or we got your truck. You know, it was towed, you parked in no tow zone after this, whatever. So here we are in boots about like these, you know, we're, number one, my phone was dead. Mine was almost dead. Mm. We had about seven bucks between the two of us That's left all over. We had we took a cab. Yeah. As far as $7 would take us. We told him, it was like, this is where we got to go. We've only got $7. Just go to your meter, hit seven. <laughs> and he did. He Two let blocks. us off on the, ra- on the interstate. <laughs> he did. So I pulled up uh, I pulled up on my phone, back on, on my Google machine, you know, and got well, the... Time, time out. This cab driver turned you loose on the interstate on a four-lane freeway. He he made sure to hit the brakes soon enough to stop right on seven. <laughs> wow, on the shoulder in the interstate. And, and anybody that's been to Austin, that is not a safe place to be. Yeah, this ain't that, a, no. driving in Austin is ridiculous. This isn't an I fifty-seven uh-uh. interstate no. for these people that are no, listening. No, this no. isn't Highway thirteen. No, no this is I thirty-five. This is a busy city. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's a bad deal. But anyway, so I get on my Google machine. I, I pull up the address on there, and it was still like seven miles from the seven eight miles. It was, it was a long ways, and we thought, and that was by by road. You know that Google will take you by yeah, road. The, the walking the walking map. He was a geospatial engineer. Is that correct? That was correct. He he builds maps. I was a scout. We went between the two country. of you. We you went should cross, do this. We went cross country in the city. In the city, <laughs> we were going through people's yards, over people's fences. <laughs> It was a straight line. So <laughs> so Google was like, you got to go here, here, uh-uh, here, here. It ain't happening here, boys. I mean, if we were yeah. a crow, <laughs> you're right down the middle. <laughs> straight, I mean, straight through everything. Jumping fences all over the place. But anyway, mm-hmm. ramming bridges. We finally get there. We finally get to this tow place, and I tell the guy, I'm like, look, 
I got the money, and it sounds unbelievable, but I don't have my debit card on me. It's in my truck. I got to get my truck. And he would not let us get oh, to no. my truck. Finally, we talked him into it. It was like, hey, just let me in there. Get it. I'll come pay it, and then we'll be gone. Finally, he lets me get in there, and it was cold. By so, the way, the sun's up now. Yeah, the sun's <laughs> up. Took us all night. But, uh, and, we, and we weren't walking. No, we were running. No, we was running. We ran the whole way. Because right. we had somewhere to be the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We ran the whole way. But I get in there, and it's cold, so I start my truck to let it warm up. This guy I thought was going to shoot me. Going to shoot us for starting it up in there. You remember that? For, oh, yeah. For those that don't know, getting towed in a large city, as I was towed several times in Arlington, Texas, those are the meanest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. They're they're grumpy. Oh, they yeah. hate you right off the bat. I mean, you, you are to. an automatic enemy to them. I can't oh, believe yeah. they let you back there. I couldn't. Well, it was everything I could do to get him to let me back there. But mm. finally, got back there, got my debit card, got got down the road, and I, I'm wanting to say, was that the same morning mm. we stopped right down the road and got a nap? We stopped. We got a biscuit, and then after the biscuit, we was wiped. Yeah. So we found us a Walmart. Yeah. And we took us a nap. Took us a nap. Yeah. So that was uh That was a solid two hundred and twenty five dollars we didn't want to spend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, it, we would have been better off just getting a hotel room for sixty a hotel. bucks. Yeah, lesson learned. Lesson learned. And we did from then on. We it didn't matter how many people we had in my truck. When we got to, to no, Austin. We slept ten people in a in a single bedroom. Oh yeah. A lot of them were on the bed, shared the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of Austin stories. A bunch of them. Yeah. Another one, we had another buddy who runs around with us pretty good. And uh, we all go head to Austin. There's four of us. So we get all spiffed up pretty light because we got to blend in with the locals. So we slide on down there. They have this one little joint that before 9 o'clock, it's a dollar a shot. Period. Point blank. Done. Boom. So you start there, and by the time you leave... You're already feeling right. Oh, yeah. Well, this guy. Oh, boy. He, I don't know where this is going. Well, this guy right here, he had to, he just come out of the field or something, something else. But he was tired. So we was forcing his sorry butt to go up and down this daggum road. Yeah. And uh, we ended up, we ended up at Coyote Ugly for a little while. Yeah. And that's where you said goodbye. Was it? Yes. All I know is I turn around and you're gone. But anyways, me and this other fella, yeah. we're still sitting at the Coyote Ugly, getting rent, 100%. And then uh, about midnight rolls around, I was like, all right, buddy, I'm done. Well, he's done fell in love with one of these old women. Yeah. And uh, so I walk my happy back, butt back up to the house. All I know is I hear banging on the hotel door at 2 o'clock in the morning. I forgot all about this. He has no shirt, <laughs> no hat. And all he has is a business card that he thought was the room key. <laughs> so, and the cab driver is still sitting out front to make sure that's the right spot because he was he was standing in the middle of the road with a with a uh, business card for the Super Eight Motel and just said, "Take me here." Yeah. God, almighty. Yeah, we, I was, I was we've had a shape. we've had a couple rough ones. That I there was I don't know if that was the same time or not, but I remember. At some point in the hotel, I was in my underwear. I, I grabbed what I thought was the key, went out on the balcony to holler at you or some shit like that, and the door shut behind me. No key. I had to go down to the office in my underwear. 
What did the front What did the front desk people tell you? They, he they, they he laughed. It? Well, the funny part about it was he had a sense of humor. He laughed about it and he's like, uh, "What room are you in?" I told him he's like, "You got any ID?" <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like I have any ID? Where would I keep it at? Let me just whip this yeah. out. So, what room were you in on the balcony? How did you make it from the balcony to the front desk? I walked without getting inside the stairs. Yeah. Oh, it's outside. Oh, it's one. Yeah, room. it's one, one that, them. where the doors outside. It's oh, Super okay. Eight, son. This ain't no Hyatt Regency. No, no, no. no, no this we, is quality. This is one hundred percent. I'm yeah. thinking slide door balcony. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> Time yeah, the, the, to somehow figure out to get to the bottom. Oh no no no. This is I don't I forget if it's hotel or motel. I forget which one's which. But the doors were outside. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. High class joint. Yeah, but luckily it was in the middle of the night, and I, I didn't see any people other than the front desk guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we need to tell them? Mm-mm. You need to tell them about the time we come up here with another Alabama fella. Oh no! Here we go. Where do we start this story? Do we start the night before, or do we backtrack? The night before. Just you fine. know this story. He helps out here. Um, let's start from about midway's drive up. The drive up here? Yeah, and then when you you'll throw go, into, bearing? go into detail about the night before and then the, All right, the next so day. We, we brought two vehicles that time, right? No, we were on your truck. All in my truck. If I'm not mistaken, the drive up, he was puking the whole way, right? Or is that... I, mean, I think that was a different one. That wasn't me this time. Uh-uh, no. So anyway, anyway, we're at the local bar, and... Uh, I won't name the bar, but it's here in town. Anyway, I had... Big selection there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, uh, a girlfriend at the time, so I decided that I was going to bail on these guys' plans after the bar. The bar, or the plans after the bar, was a local strip club. You know, I wish I could have joined you boys, no, but I... No, you are correct. I drove, I drove up here after that because I was on my truck. Yeah. I, feel, I thought you were in your truck. So this sorry sucker, here we go again, leaving early. I didn't have a choice at that point. I, I really did want to go, but... Well, me and this other fella, we were like, we ain't done yet. So we run down the road to the Tickless Whisker, and uh, <laughs> he watched them go up and down and round and round and round, and he found he found him a, a local honey. And yeah, he was like, there was you a know lot what, of her. There was a lot of her there. Yeah. Mm, she, was, she was healthy, real healthy. <laughs> and uh, this fella... He had his beer goggles on, and he was thick. And uh, he ended up walking up to her, cozying up, buying her drinks. Well, guess what? It worked. I had a boy. So uh, after we shut the tickless whisker down, we were jumping back in the truck, and uh, she was like, well, I need to take my car. I was like, that's fine. You can follow me. And uh, he was like, I'm going to ride with her. Oh, I yes, think sir. he drove her car, and it was a Cadillac. It was a Cadillac uh, it was with a, a gas light on <laughs> Wasn't it one of them DeVilles, like it's 40 feet long, you know, one of them big long DeVilles, grandma car? Yeah, and it looked like the rear suspension busted out. Yeah. It looked like an old Cutlass. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was a dandy. He drove her car back following you. Yes. Yeah. Coming up Route 3, it was, the light was on before you even left the deal, wasn't it? The, yes, the, the light was on at the joint. And it's a dang near 30 minute drive from there to the house. Oh, yeah, and I didn't cut her no slack neither. <laughs> Standing on that skinny pedal, getting back to the house. Oh yeah, but we uh, I only know one way to get there, and it was through the 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 Dagum Reserve Refugee Refuge. You can get refuge. Yeah, yeah, that deal. And uh, 
they ain't jacked really squat down there. No. I've even I even turned the headlights off and matted on it a few times to try to get try to get them going. I was just trying to see what would happen mm-hmm. to this old boy. But anyways, he's trying to lose them at this point in the dark, and they don't they don't know where they are. And uh, so, anyways, we get back to the house, and you can pick it up from there because you were still there. Oh yeah, I was there. Uh, so the next morning, I wake up to. Uh, a girl sitting on the end of my bed. It's me and my girlfriend in bed. I wake up and there's another girl sitting on the end of the bed, naked. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Did your girlfriend know about this? Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. She she woke up about the same time I did. Actually, she may have woke me up. I don't remember. She may have woke me up and and was like, "Hey, there's somebody on the end of the bed." Well, I woke up and I and I I said, "Uh, who are you?" And she goes, "Uh, she didn't answer me. She said." Where am I at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, We've oh, all been there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I know how this happened. So I, I actually kind of felt a little bad for her. And I was like, well, you're in Jonesboro, Illinois. And she goes, so all she did was put her hand on her head. <laughs> Who drove my car? Yeah, she didn't have a clue. <laughs> but the car didn't make it back that night. The you car not, was there. did not lose them. No, no, did not lose them. And it did not run out of gas. That's where I thought the story was going. No, we're, it, it's getting there. To the oh, okay, gotcha. Literally. So, oh, yeah, it gets much better. Um, so anyway, I kind of gave her a little bit of directions on how to get out of there, and she left or whatever. And I, I get dressed, and I, I, I come out to talk to these boys because we stayed at my parents' place. You know, mm-hmm. I was in the Army. Stayed at my parents' place, and these boys were sleeping on cots and couches out in the basement so i come out there and i'm like boys let's go to breakfast i gotta hear what the hell just happened here so they gave me this whole backstory we get done eating breakfast up on the square in jonesboro we come home this is the best part we get back (laughs) home and we will have to backtrack just a little bit after you hear this part but we get back home and my dad my dad is posted up like this on the back of the couch just watching us walk in and you know we kind of caught us off guard he's just watching us here and he goes boys you will never believe what i just found in my shoe <laughs> <laughs> and uh me and aaron died laughing absolutely died like, you don't know what's in the floor. shoe hold on a minute we died laughing. We knew exactly what was going on. 100%. The other old boy also knew what was going on, but he was playing dumb. He was like, what, what was it? Me and Aaron knew. Dad goes, I found a snakeskin in my shoe. <laughs> 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 and Justin went pale white. Oh, instant. Red. Dad, Dad thought it was hilarious. You know, he was kind of grossed out or whatever, but he's, he's a team player, but... We've been laughing about that story for ten years. When we'll laugh about well, it for another well, ten. Did he mean? Did he mean to put it in the shoe? No. So fill him in on the night. He slung it. So <laughs> no. So so we'll backtrack just a little bit. Okay. So like I said, he's in the bed with his girlfriend at the time, and we're on couches and cots. Well, he's brought he brought a friend over, so I give him the I give him the cot because it's a two person cot. All right, whatever. You got you got company. Well, I'm on the couch, and of course, I'm listening. <laughs> I mean, when you say he's on the cot and you're on the couch, it's like from me to you. Oh, yeah, wait. Like five feet. Yeah. You feel the vibration. Like, too. I mean, I could have oh, yeah. pat him on the back and said, attaboy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was it was close quarters, for sure. So, I'm, I'm sitting there, and 
the noises coming from that side of the house were god awful. Oh yeah. And uh, all you hear is snap. And I was like, what in the hell was that? He was like, I don't know, something's wrong with it. So I rolled over. He told me where his wallet was. I handed him another, so that means there's another one still missing. Oh. <laughs> the mystery may never be so, solved. So, the, oh, the first one is in the shoe. Second one has still. We yet. don't know which one's in the shoe. We don't know, oh, <laughs> but there is one that is that is still yet. But it's yeah. definitely has been determined. <laughs> Aaron says, "I heard it go down twice. Where's the other one?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! So still to this day, we're looking for the other snakeskin. Mm. Mia, 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 be on top of the ductwork. No, don't tell him. Or there was one. Shoot that thing off like a rubber band. There ain't no, <laughs> telling. There ain't no telling. Yeah, that's a that'll be a good one forever. That's a story that's been told. told around here a million times. Everybody knows <clears throat> that story. Now you two. Obviously, in the military together. Did you also go overseas together? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We stayed in a container housing unit together. And yeah. We, in a place, it was smaller than this. We lived together for a long time. Was this in Korea or Iraq? Iraq. Yeah. Yep. So, best story in Iraq. Let's get it. I got the perfect one. Okay. So, all right. I'll give you one little hint here. Adidas windsuit. Matching windsuit in Iraq. Yeah, okay, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Do you remember when we was, uh, I forget what they called them, but they'd bring in local Iraqis to come in and make a little extra money. And they local work, nationals. That's it. They would work on the they'd work on the fob, but they had to have security over them. You know? Well, me and him, it, it was random on who went to, who had to cover them. It rotated around the units, so you didn't have... Everybody doing, you know, one guy doing it all the time. Well, anyway, it got to me and Aaron. Our first sergeant, really, he liked both of us. We knew we were buddies. He's like, you, you guys go, go jack with these, these, these knuckleheads for, for a week or so. There was a, a an old boy. It's 130 plus Fahrenheit. Hundred, no exaggeration. 130 plus Fahrenheit. Light bulb. Light bulb. Right now. I got it. 130 plus. There was an old boy in our group of local mm-hmm. nationals wearing. Adidas windbreaker suit matching top and bottom. I'm talking pants. Like By the way, winter pants now, and a coat. Is it, this like 80s windbreaker with the multicolor? Yes. Or is this like no. mobster What velvet? color was it? No, this was a teal windbreaker suit with yes. the three stripes down the leg. That's yeah. what you need. And down there. the arm. Absolutely. This guy wore the same suit Every all day. week. 130 plus degrees. Smelt right. I bet that's... Oh my God, it was unreal. <laughs> I bet he smelled right. You could tell. Well, obviously, he didn't have the capabilities to wash it every night. But even with even without knowing that, you could look at him and tell that that thing hadn't been washed in forever. Do you remember us giving him a a, a, a chaw? Yeah, we gave him a we gave him a pinch of snuff. <laughs> and ever since then, oh, no. he was our best friend. Ever. He, he threw up everywhere, but he 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 always wanted more. Always wanted more. I mean. You've never seen a guy turn pale white like this guy did. Not only are you wearing a windsuit in 130 degree weather, but you take your first chaw. Man, t- went pale white, threw up everywhere, but every time Aaron pulled out his can, he, he, he wanted up for it one. Again. He wanted one. Habibi, well, puke Habibi. 
Maybe. Yeah. Now, was this fine cut or long cut? It was a long cut. Yeah. And it was the driest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that, long, that longhorn special. At 130 degrees Fahrenheit, it ain't going to stay damp long. No, no. no. You got about 15 minutes. No. So on, uh, on video and recording, can you tell about how the youngsters would come up and want candy? And what the motion was for them oh. to get candy? <laughs> no, you're talking about water. You're water. talking about water. Water or candy, whatever it was, the it was motion water. was. You're talking about water. I think I know where you're going with this. I forgot about this. I haven't told this story in forever. So the local, the platoon next to us, so they're, they're going through, I don't want to say his name, but. No names. No, this is uh this is another scout unit from a prior deployment. One of my sergeants. So he's when they go from five to five or they're out doing route reconnaissance or whatever, a lot of times they're in places where they've never really seen US forces yet at this time, <laughs> at the time of this story. Uh, or maybe they've seen them a few or whatever. But anyway, these Iraqis will just flat ask you for anything. They're not, they don't have any shame. So they knew we carried bottles of water, and they would come up and they would you know they would motion for water, motion for water, and and we wouldn't give them very you know every once in a while you would they wouldn't give them to them. This is a story that I got from a, a buddy of mine, but they taught them a story or they taught them a sign language to get a bottle of water hmm. so you know normally if you were to sign somebody you would do something like this you know yep. we don't know sign but this is you know i can tell you need yep. a drink well anyway these old boys in this particular <laughs> platoon <laughs> you know where this is going these old boys in this particular platoon taught them that this <laughs> was this was the international sign for water <laughs> So what that set up for later is the next platoon that don't know anything about this would come through this town where they taught them that, and they would come up to the truck, not knowing. You look at them like, what in the heck are they doing? And you get, I mean, what do you tell them? Nobody, I'm good. Nobody, I'm good. No, no, no. What? Hey, buddy, I'm good. Yeah, I, I, that's awful. Oh man! But it's good at the same time. <laughs> but could you imagine them just running out of everywhere? <laughs> Where are we at? Well, I mean, it spreads too. Oh, it's spread. Yeah. Well, as soon as you give out one bottle of water, and they do the motion, they're telling everybody. Oh yeah. Because water is a scarcity, so they're going to their auntie mama Sue and be like, "Hey, all you got come on with it. All you got to give you water. All you got to do is this." <laughs> And, and that spreads, and now that you know that this next platoon knows what to expect, so you're rewarding them for doing this silly shit. You know? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, this is like, yeah. like a social experiment. Experiment. It, it, it here. really is an evil social experiment. <laughs> to this date, you go to that town in Iraq. It probably they're, they're going around guzzling water that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> mouth, mouth open, double oh, fist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I oh, just yeah. went through Boys Town, Iraq. Oh yeah. <laughs> Double twisty block block is, <laughs> yeah. is the sign for water. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on. So we've had funny stories. Love yeah. the funny stories. But like for me, I, I, I have never been in the military. Spec the military. But how about just some insight on living over there? You guys are about my age. 
you, you've been around, you've experienced some things. And I think like as listeners too, I mean, we hear it a lot from on, on TV and on the news, but like coming somebody that's real, um, give us some insight of how it was in Iraq and how uh, American military forces over there and kind of how they lived and just, just overall like something that would give us an insight on the, on the, on their social life over there. I've got this one. Okay. Perfect. Plain lands. Follow me now. Let's hear it. Set your oven to 400 degrees. Open the cargo door and take your first step. Take that 400 degree oven and open it. That's what it is. Ooh. It is a strange. People, people fainted on the tarmac getting off the airplane. The temperature change was so high. Well, I think the biggest issue with our deployment when we deployed, you couldn't have picked a worse time. No, so we were shutting down. It was, well, what I mean as far as the weather goes, it was June. It was May or June. So I think it was May. But anyway, so in May over here, yeah, it gets hot sometimes in May, but for the most part, you're still kind of acclimated to spring. Mm-hmm. So over here, you're, you're, you're acclimated to spring. You get to Iraq, and it's 130 degrees. So you go from spring to 130 degrees. You know, 70-degree yeah. days, 80-degree days to 130-degree days, it was a bad deal. But what's, what's so strange to me is they're... I don't know. They're so resilient to the heat, it's unreal. Like, they don't even think anything about it as to where you and I are air-conditioned queens. I can do the heat. I mean, like I can we do said, the, cold. the yeah. guy had a full windsuit, and it's 120-plus every day. And he's out there working. Like, I'm not talking about, oh, let me let me move these chairs around inside. No, he had a shovel in his hand Ooh. moving plywood around. This man was working in a windsuit. Spitting chalk. In the desert. I distinct- throwing up chalk. <laughs> I distinctly remember when I convoyed from... Um, I got pictures of this somewhere on my dad's computer or hard drive or something. We convoyed from Fob Warhorse to Balad. I distinctly remember seeing this multiple times. Mud huts, no doors or windows with satellite dishes on top. Yes. Yeah. So TV's more important than air conditioning. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. it's very strange. I got pictures of little kids playing uh, uh, on the same same convoy between Fob Warhorse and Balad. They were playing barefooted soccer. Kids were playing in the, in the rocks, barefooted, 130 degrees, playing soccer in the rocks. Just running around like nothing. Nothing. Now, yeah. as, as far as that goes, I think da- what Dawson more or less led on was as far as the U.S. military and you guys being over there, basically known as foreign, what was your living experience okay well that like where did you stay how did you because let us live in your shoes for a little bit i i, I work at the prison right. i know yeah, guys that this. have been in the marines that are over there and i have specifically seen videos and everything else where it is flatland as far as you can see ultimate sandstorm and where they lived or where they slept or took a break or wherever it was literally sand holes that they dug for themselves oh yeah like i would say more like the sand desert would be down towards kuwait or that's that's definitely southern we were we were central yeah we had had a little bit of terrain not much like we had a palm grove when we stayed at five warhorse which is where we spent our most of our time we also had an interstate about 20 feet outside of one side uh one fence yeah and on the other side of that interstate was uh a big palm grove, like it's woods, but it's palm trees. Um, I think it was west of us, if I remember correctly. 
the big palm grove we had. Yeah, because that's where it was, all the that's where they set up every time they shot at us. Yeah, that, all the mortars come from there. Actually, on Five Warhorse, we were on there when I think it was June 11th or something. It was a change of command. It was change of command. And we took more rockets and mortars in one volley on Five Warhorse than there ever was in during the conflict in Iraq. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was a. Uh, it was that was a <clears throat> different day. It was pretty wild. So there was a. Uh, was that the day me and you were at the the trash depot and we ended up getting in a caterpillar, or was it no, somebody was, else? No, this day you and I were not in the same place. I was in the headquarters building, and you were. I think you were in the cafeteria, weren't you? Or the defect. So one was eating and one was pushing paper when the biggest attack you guys have undergone yet happened. Yeah, we weren't doing nothing. I mean, neither one of us were doing anything worth it. Okay, now when when the first one fires off. Yeah, what do you do? Walk Dawson and I and the people listening through that point in time. What did, what, from you being in headquarters and you being in the chow hall, now what happens? You don't move. Well, we've been there so long that you hear the sirens. And that you don't even know where it's at. So. That one was a little bit different for me. Like what he's getting at is day one, more change of command. When you get there, there's a unit already there that you're swapping with. When you get there, especially on your first deployment for you know for us or whatever, when it goes off, like okay, we got to get to the bunker. You get to the bunker, and it doesn't take long before that fades away. And it's like you hear the, the you know the incoming alarm go off, and it's like, where's it at? Okay, let's keep doing our thing. That's what he's getting at. This one here was a little bit different because I, what was crazy, it was it, this adds to the story that we were in different places. That's kind of cool, I think. Where, okay, so if I could lay this out, let, these directions are wrong, but just so I can lay this out verbally, let's say the incoming was north of us, where they were firing from. All right, so in a straight line, the the incoming's coming from the north. They're firing towards the south. Aaron would be the farthest point that they're shooting at, and I'm right in between the two. So I think they shot like 27 at a time, but they were bracketing is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they waste 27 mortars? Yeah. 27 rockets and mortars at a time. Not not at one time, but in one volley. So okay. what okay. I mean, I'll explain what I mean by bracketing. Yes. So um, we were at a point during this where we were already numb to the incoming alarm. Normally on FOB Warhorse, it's different on FOBs, but on FOB Warhorse, normally you would hear the first one hit and then the incoming alarm yes. would go so, off. As to where it, like Balad, big Air Force base, you would they, they would detect it before it ever hit the ground. And blow it up in yeah. the air. Well, they had C-RAM guns yes. that would shoot it out of the air yeah. before it ever hit the ground. But anyway, backtrack to this story. They were bracketing, so somehow they got a grid or a direction or something for the first round. And the first round landed just barely on on the fob, just barely made it into the fob. You hear you hear it hit, which is probably 100 yards, 200 yards from me, um, and then hit here another. Oh, the incoming goes a lot goes off, and then you hear one more hit, and it's closer. And then you hear another one hit, and it's closer. So what they're doing, they're seeing where it hits, they're adjusting fire. See where it hits, adjust the fire, that's bracket. That's a fancy term for walking it in with Kentucky windage. Yeah, they're walking it in. That's exactly what it is. So about the third one, I realized that they were bracketing. They were continuing to fire, and they were adjusting fire, and it was coming right over the top, coming right towards me closer every time. I was like, well, I might need to go out for yep. this one. 
So I, I went out to the bunker, and it's exactly what they did. They walked it right over the top of us, right over the top of our bunker. And hit the defect. Hit the dining facility that he was in, walked it right to the dining facility. Yeah, and what's crazy about this, we took more mortars and rockets that day than that five has ever taken since, since it's been there. And not one injury, not one. Not a really. single one. Nothing. Just because how the compound was built? No. Just luck. Just pure luck. luck. Yeah. Because like he said, the first round lands before the alarm goes off. So I mean you could be walking you could be out there with your buddy doing a doing some PTs and push ups and or running and next thing you know, you're in it and the alarm didn't go off. So yeah. you, the first round you don't have any warning. Yeah. So and, the, so that was more or less a good day. That was, was a very good day. It was that was really a that day. was a good day. And there was a, there was somebody there was some intelligence leaked on that because it was during the change of authority, which is so like I told you, when you get to a five, there's a unit already there. So there's twice the amount of people on this little piece of property, and so they were taking their bets that they could do more damage with more population. Not only that, but the, the it w- went on during the transfer of authority ceremony. Exactly. So they have a ceremony where they pass the the flag, mm-hmm. the guide on. And it happened during that. So when you say intelligence leaked, like they got intel from inside what time it was and stuff? Yeah. Is that a common thing that happens? Yeah, yeah on, a, on a fob to where we talked about the uh, local nationals. Uh, so they would come in and do work. And like yeah. I said, the guy in the windsuit, give him a chaw. He wanted to be your friend. He come up to me. He was like, if you need anything, you let me know. Snicker bar. I mean, he was offering me cocaine. <laughs> I mean, he was, he, was, he was the only one that spoke English. Yeah. So... If you think about it, if you buddy buddy up to somebody, good and bad though. Uh, Him speaking English, it, he can. Yes, he's susceptible to English, and now you two, at this point, you have to watch what you say. Oh, yes. definitely, you had to watch what you say because I'm sure I wouldn't doubt it if a lot of them guys in that local national group spoke English could and didn't speak say it, it but never say it. Absolutely, I mean that just makes sense. Well, they're there for I mean, they're, they're there for a reason. But there's yeah. there's good and bad people everywhere. Most of yeah. those guys were there to make some money. So they really? can pay for their family, but there's also the bad apples that rolled in. Absolutely. And most most of the time, you could tell who they were because they worked for about four days and then they disappeared. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. You you could usually tell. And like he said, honestly, the majority of those people are just like us. They just want to you know they want to work their job. They want to do what they like to do. They want to support their family. And but like the the people, how do I put this? So when we would take rockets and mortars. It was kind of tough to just fire back on where you were fired at from because a we lot were of surrounded times, by houses. Well, that too, but a lot of times the people that would actually drop the mortars in the tube or run the rocket down the rail didn't have any issue with us. They were forced to, to do, do so. so. Tough situation. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times they're not even there when it's shooting. Yeah, they are so ingenuitive that they have ice molds. Mm-hmm. So they'll 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 make a 12-inch piece of ice, put it in a mortar tube, mortar on top. And then get out of just there. Melt. A, a mm-hmm. 9-inch yep. piece, an 8-inch piece. That way they fire. So it's basically like a fuse for a mortar it, tube. It's yep. basically a mortar fuse. I mean, they're so ingenious. In, 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 I'm in doubt. When you go to fire back, no one is even there. They're long gone. A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times. And, I mean, there's so many but things with, there. But with saying you taking fire at... Fob Warhorse, correct? Mm-hmm. When you took fire there on that particular day or any time in general, were, uh, were all coming from the same direction within one vicinal area? Yeah. yeah. So they just fired from one area at different days? 
or did oh, it'd they be different every did time. they break it up? They it'd be different every time, but that particular day they were firing from the same spot. That's how they were bracketing, and you, you don't you don't know. But we had what was that thing called? Was it a aerostat? Is that what it was called? Yeah, it's an aerostat. It looked like a Goodyear blimp, and it was sitting above us, and they thought that that was a weapon. So yeah. they shot at this balloon in the sky. Yeah, big blimp. All the time. <laughs> but it, all it had was a, a extremely high resolution camera on it. Yeah. And you could sit in the in the uh, tactical operations center. It's called Talk, um, and zoom right in. We had these deals. This this radar that could pick up exactly where it came from, and they would zoom right in on it. You could see exactly where it came from if it didn't come out of the palm grove, you know. Yeah. But you could pinpoint a house or whatever. There would be people that would. You probably saw some of these videos where. They'd have a rail rocket or a mortar on the back of a truck inside a garage. Mm-hmm. They'd open the garage door, back out, fire, and pull back in and drop the garage door. And we would go knocking on the door because we saw them do it. You know, you can tell exactly where it came from. The aerostat would zoom right in on it. Some, you know, send a unit out there, you know, to, to knock on the door. Like, hey, bud, this ain't going to work. Um, you remember all the illumination rounds that we would send out for a show of force at night? So let's, that, was, let's, that was pretty neat. Let's yeah. slow down. So when, say you do figure out where it comes from, like you said, open the garage door, back it out, fire it off, pull back in, you go knock on that door. From that point, where do you go from there? Do you take them into custody? Do you... Oh, yeah, you'd raid the house for sure. You raid the house, make sure they don't have any more, and then you take them into custody. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. When you take them into custody, at that point, where do they go? It depends on where you're at. I mean, like, you, is there an Iraqi jail they go to, whether under oh, surveillance by their own people? We had our or own. The, we had our own jail facility. Or were they locked oh, yeah. up with you guys? They were oh, locked up with us. Yeah, for sure. And they'd get questioned and this, that, and the other. And that's a different. That's well, a different job, different place. I mean, we all know this, but yeah. for people listening. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, you get questioned or whatever, and I, I'm sure most of them, especially towards the end, would get let go. No no issues at Make all. Make them clean the what, shitters or something? Maybe. Yeah. Was it a lot of the times, like you said, with the people with the mortars, was it like they were almost forced to do that from whatever uh, group? Especially there towards the end. Of, oh, that was the case a lot of the times. Mm. And they, were, they wouldn't tell you anything because their family's in danger. These people didn't have no problems with if they... If they said, well, you know what, old Billy Bob down the street told me I had to or he'd kill my family. Well, he ain't going to tell you that because then he's going to... Now you're going to get Billy Bob. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get Billy. Now, yeah. the area you were located in, what was, what, what were you mostly fighting? What enemy were you fighting? Was it a particular religious sector or what, what, was, what was the bad guy, so to speak, for us not understanding? Because all we saw is with the news and the war in Iraq and it was just... Chaos, you know, we don't we don't really know what's going on. I mean, it was on. all guerrilla warfare. Yeah. That's that's what we've been fighting. The there ca- hasn't been a single traditional war. Yeah, conventional. Yeah, but I, so I basically, like it is today, everyone you see, whether it be, you know, your guys or the Charlies or this, everyone is a potential threat. They can be, yeah, for sure. Potential, the potential's mm-hmm. there. But I, I, man, woman, child. What I'm, what I'm. That's the thing that gets me is. You see the movies. I know what you're going. I know what you're going at. Right where, well, and that's all. Well, Dawson, you and I are. We're in a different category because mm-hmm. we didn't serve. And, but that's all you get to see is, what the news channels are showing. What what the movies, you know, the quote unquote the remakes of the, the real life stories. 
you know, this, that, and the other. Well, if you base it off of your real-life stories and what the news is saying, the children running around there are almost, you know, registrable with your number one enemy. Well, this Not is necessarily an enemy, but they're put in a position yeah. where I'm going to go get a bottle of water, but at the same time I'm going to take the bottle of water with my right hand, with the left hand, they have a grenade in it. Well, let me... This is the kind of the way I like to explain this. I've explained it a couple of times about um, people in Iraq. All right, so here in the United States, the best way I can compare is there's Christianity, I would say, is the primary religion. Would you agree in the United States? Christianity? Yes. All right, so there's a lot of different branches of Christianity, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I think most of us here probably all consider ourselves Christian but I couldn't tell you the last time I've been to church. I don't know that much about religion. Uh, you may know everything about it. You may know, you know, you may follow a different, a different path. But we all consider ourselves Christian, even if you don't go to church or yeah. whatever. It's known that the United States is based off Christian yes. Judeo values and principles. That is, that is primarily what we, what, what our founding fathers were, and that's how it came up to be. Yeah, and I really don't know much about it, mm-hmm. and and I, I'm I'm okay with admitting that. Same thing over there. It's it's, it's just a Muslim different, different form. It's yep. Muslim with all kinds of different branches, and a lot of these kids, the ones that we're fighting, they don't know why they hate Christians. Absolutely, they just hot. grow up. They just grow up hearing you got to hate Christians and you got to kill them. I mean, that's just like just you can do it over here. Well, it does. You have, that, it's it the on, outlier subsects of it, that. It goes that on in, in big cities. And, oh yeah. You know that it goes on daily. Daily, one hundred percent. You have kids that go to these big monster public schools and nothing, you know. But if you base this off of like, for example, um, you know, like the major Chicago public schools, New York major public schools, where you got. Two, three thousand kids going to the same school in a, you know, a low-income neighborhood. They're taught the same thing. Yes, like kings, right? They they have to get put into a uh, well, it's almost like a survival. Well, mm-hmm. that's what they're taught. It, it is when you when you go, because I can tell you right now, you match a kid that grew up in the Bronx, or you match that grew up in a, you know, Italian mob neighborhood, at at thirteen years old. They're going to be tougher and more willpower than a 13-year-old that grew up in Lick Creek, Illinois. And, and, and they're, they're raised and, as warriors. They're raised to, you know, you're fighting for your life. Well, they're your product of your environment is what you're getting at. Yeah. You're a product of your environment. And over there, you might run into a guy that's fighting us, and if you really got to talking to him, he might be able to break it down elaborately why, why he thought that Christians needed to die as to where another guy... I don't. I don't know. I've just always heard that we need to kill Christians. Mm. That's kind of what I mean by Where Christianity. That's how I'm making the relation between Christianity. There's a def- bunch of different branches. Some of them are more extreme than others. Muslims the same way. This guy, he knows. He might know he needs to kill you. No idea why. This guy here, he needs to kill you because of this. And they would consider all Americans Christians. And those, yes. And, yes. Those, and those outlier. It's just those, it's those enforced groups. ever since they they are born. Yeah. That's. That is what is correct. Yeah, and, and, and the thing about fighting the war that we are, that's you know non-conventional warfare, you, it's an unwinnable war, and I hate to say this, it's an unwinnable war unless you killed them all. Because if you're over here and you defeat all of them, you, you, you kill them off or you change their ways, 
uh, on this side of the country, all right, we got this side. Well, well, that side over there don't care what this side's doing or might not even know mm. that you beat that side. So you literally have to eliminate all of them to be done. As to where a conventional war, um, you know, it's a uniformed operation. The country might say, all right, we declare the United States the winner. And it's over. We're done. I'm going home. Yeah, this is not like that. It's, it's is there any? It's unwinnable. Unwinnable. So no, unwinnable. it's a war. It's a, it's a war of the people, but it's also religious. Yeah. And you would have to take out both at the same time. It's it's sad. It really is. Yeah. So in your opinion, so you have that firsthand knowledge to be able to have a perspective and an opinion on the war in Iraq, the war on terrorism. Whereas a lot of Joe Blows back here in the United States, they, they, they state their opinion like they were part of it, but they don't have a, that perspective to be able to do so. You guys have that ability. So in your guys' perspective, war on terrorism, war in Iraq, you know, uh, I'm, an, I'm a very much an American conservative. I, I believe in, I'm a nationalist. I, I believe in our values and I believe America is the great liberator. And I know we've done bad things, but at the same point, we're considered the good guys of the world. We try our best to, to help other people and help other countries. So that war justified. Should have we pulled out when we did? Should we still be over there? What? Give me your perspective on that. I'm just curious. That, that's a. I mean, that's a really tough one. Really, yeah. because we're there. A lot of people don't like it, but also a lot of people over there do because they're oh, being yeah. protected by a blanket. So I listen to Jocko Willink quite a bit, and that's kind of what his stance was. Like, you don't understand if we. If we pulled out when we did, All it, hell would it created, it created, oh, it created yeah. a vacuum and it, it would it hurt, it hurt a lot of good people. Absolutely. That's yeah. a very, I like where you went with that. Yeah, you can't. That's, and that sitting here around right the answer. table with two veterans, I mean, this is. Let's hear your, yeah, you've yeah. been there. I don't, I've never there's been no, there. There's no right answer. I've never me. lived this environment and I love, I'm, love to hear it. I'm telling you, like he said, a lot of them people loved that we were there. I mean, yeah. we, we, we would roll in. We would roll in, take care of problem people, and it would that you know things would go back to normal, like kids playing in the street and stuff yeah. like that. And then awesome. when we would move out of an area, they would just suck right back in. So, so they wanted our presence builds, there all the time, a lot in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like the rough parts that you guys did, you know, it it builds immunity within that town again, where they can feel safe with, you know, letting their kids go out and. You know, play tag, play hide and seek. Play soccer where, out in the streets, and you know, do yeah. do what they do. Live live the life of a child. Where they should. It, it would be. But what we were trying out, to do, I think, is that we were trying, we were trying to, you know, they didn't have the capabilities of, you know, knocking down these these issues, you know, going through a town and sweeping it and getting rid of the issues. We were trying to create a democracy, so to speak, and create a police force or an army that could mm. govern themselves. We had we had a bunch of locals that we were training with our technology and our modern updated weapons and our tactics to try to let them govern their self. That way we could back up, they could take it, they could handle their own business, but we see where we're at now. Yeah, I mean, but those people are a little different. Uh, you don't realize how much rebel you have in you as an American until you get over there like you have so much pride as an American. Yeah. If 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 you were having issues in town that you couldn't handle and a foreign force come in, wiped them out, um, and was like, all right, we're starting from scratch. Now it's on you. You gotta govern your own land here. You're gonna take care of it. You as an American, I know how you are, you would be die hard proud to protect Anna and Jonesboro and Absolutely. It, it would be 
no sure. problem. Over there, no doubt about all it. of us would be the same way. Over there, when they start, when we, we would, you know, kind of give the town back to these people and we, we created a police force and an army. When they started moving in, they would just give up. They didn't want it nothing to do with fighting. It just survival. Their, they, it's like, I don't yes. want to die. I don't want to get shot at. These these. It's strange to, uh, to us, to me, to us. If you saw it, when the forces started coming back in, they would just bow. They would just. I, oh, I'm not a cop. I'm not. I'm not an army. You don't have to worry about wow. me. It, they would just bow down. That's when it really made me even more proud to be an American because. You've got this rebel in you, this mm-hmm. proud American. You're not coming to my house and taking it. Absolutely no, not. You no, will I'll not tell me what to do. Happily die fighting for that. Absolutely. Happily. That's a that's a justification death. And it, Absolutely. And I'm taking out people with me. And you don't you know? realize how how ingrained that is in your blood over here, where it isn't in other places, especially Iraq. And it and it comes out in people too. Hence why Over half here. of us won't wear a mask. <laughs> I absolutely Come to my house and take whatever you want. Try it. Yeah, you can try it. But if there's, if there's one of you and one of me, someone's going to get hurt, whether it be me or you. Yeah. But you're going to know I was there. And oh, yeah. This you is, got me. You're to know it. We're, you're going to earn that. We're kind of getting into another shit, thing here that I'm... I'm, this, I'm this shit don't come easy. Kind of getting into another thing here that I'm pretty passionate about and pretty upset where the country's going. You're not allowed to be proud anymore. No, that's it. Yeah, you're not allowed to be proud. Nationalism is a is a is a racist thing now, right? It's yeah, bigotry. You, you you there's only certain things you can be proud of, and the only things you're allowed to be proud of are things that uh, um, things things that the elite say is okay. Well, that's mm. true, but you're not allowed to be proud of. Anything that's common, I guess. Maybe, so, I don't want to get into race or gender, but just a few years ago, it, it's never been an issue. I, you know what? I'm not st- I'm not getting into gender or no, race no, issues. No. But still, you're not allowed to be proud. Yeah. You're not allowed to be proud. Me, I'm the kind of guy to where if I'm on a team, let's say I'm on a t-ball team. Yeah. I'm on a t-ball team, and it's the worst t-ball team in the entire league. I'm still proud of my team because it's my team. My God, you're still a lug nut. You know, you that's, did, you I, absolutely. Right. I am proud, and I will talk the most trash about the worst team there is all the way till I lose. And I'm like, you know what? You guys played good. Now you're not even allowed to be proud to be American. You can't be proud. And it, you know, and uh, I don't know, like I said, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. but it's almost conditioned, right? Well, well start with start, it. it started with the participation trophies at a young oh, age. Really you're not you're not playing to win anymore. You're no. playing for skill development, and you don't want to offend the people that lose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's you a know? it's a rotating circle. Well, let yeah. me I've tell always, you, in here, and I will I will live this till the day I die, is that even you know where I where I work, my job, my my place, you know. W- w- you got people that ask you, well, what's in it for me? Well, let me tell you something. I didn't know you before today. What's in it for me is looking after number one, me, my family, my friends, you know, bing, bang, boom. Mm-hmm. When I played T-ball, even T-ball, I mean, me and D- Dustin and I were, we played the same team growing up all through and loved the guy to death, love him still today. But if we played against Aaron and Dawson, while we were on the field, you were nothing oh, yeah. to oh, us. Hell, we played dodgeball. 
We played dodgeball. Two nights ago, and it got intense. Oh, yeah. I, I was, was going for blood, yeah. and TC made me so dang mad. <laughs> I know I hit him twice. He didn't go out, and boy, that made me. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, there we hey, go. Hey, hey, hey. You crossing that line kind of got on me, yeah. too. Don't yeah. don't don't debate it. It happened. It happened. <laughs> every throw you made, every every slide you made, every anything, snarl at me, would you? <laughs> every time you cross a line, if Coach Ron were here, you're out bigger than shit. You know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Uh huh. Yes, you Mm-mm. are. You're out. Mm-mm. Oh yeah. There ain't no three strikes. See, anyway. this is the favoritism we're talking about. Oh, so you're not out because you let you let Coach Ron host. Classes at let's, your gym. Stop it. I let's will see here for a I second. I will blister we your back with a dodgeball. Four to three. No, you did Three to two. Okay. We only we, played five games because your old ass was hurt. <laughs> I was tired. Could you could you show the camera? Your, Look at let's see the rug burns. Let's can see you your rug burns. Look at that. This is called getting after it right here, boys. I don't I don't go at ninety percent right there. Look at that right there. Strawberry. I, c- I haven't taken a shower in two days because that strawberry. <laughs> that sucker burns. Ooh, I, I know it burns. It burns. Ooh, I got one on my elbow. <laughs> so, but coming after that, that competitive spirit that, uh, you know, we're friends, but whenever it comes time to, to get out after it, let's fight, but afterwards we're friends again. We're done. Absolutely. That's that's that, that beautiful thing. That From the T-ball field to... Absolutely. T-ball field to, to, to... And now that we're older, you know, Business, you know, entrepreneurship, it it's gonna boil down to. I didn't I didn't care who you were on the t ball field at that time mm-hmm. or baseball field, but afterwards we all ate free snow cones together oh, and yeah. laughed. Or right. you come to my house for a sleepover, we went to your house for a pool party, or mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. Yeah. It's the same way in everyday life. Even Absolutely. now, even now, at adult, as adults, we still go to each other's house. Mm-hmm. Hell, hell, we eat breakfast every day. You know we're thirty years old. We go, we meet up in the morning, go eat breakfast and drink coffee like we're like we're seventy. Seventy year old men at night. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, after, that's awesome. After dodgeball, I feel like I'm seventy. <laughs> <laughs> I cooked a breakfast the other day that we all sat in on. Waffle House didn't have shit on me. I'm telling you, <laughs> I cooked three pounds of. I, this is what I had on the grill at one time: three pounds of bacon, two pounds of diced potatoes, a pound of sausage, a dozen eggs, uh, and then I had two two. Cans of biscuits in the smoker, and I made a gallon of gravy. See, I'm mad right now. I'm not invited to that. No, you were invited, but you were you were limped up and couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> you were you were nursing your strawberry. Hey, hey, now I never got the invite. I might have limped over there because it would have been. Okay, there. Yeah, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, wait, wait. Did you not hear about breakfast before I cooked it? Yes, you did. I don't remember hearing about breakfast. You definitely did because you said, "Am I invited?" And I said, "Well, I don't. Yeah, fuck yeah." Oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> but I tell you what, I didn't forget. What so, I didn't forget that is fish fry tonight. Tonight, I have tonight. I have hurt people's feelings by the amount of fish I've had ate at the well, fish fry. Like, let me like, tell you this like, right Kindly now. asked to. Here's leave. the deal. Come me, come with an appetite. What is there? A private, let's not go. Let's not go off of bags of fish we have. Let's go off of poundage. I probably. Thawed right now, I probably have 20 pounds of fish. I'd say 20. 20, 25. I'll tell you right now, if you're you not going to offend me. If you can me, eat 20 pounds of fish fillets, that, br- brother, you're... I'm not going to eat I'll 20. be proud of but you. You're, my, you're, <laughs> you're not going to offend me. pounds? You're That's gonna, realistic. You're not going to offend yeah. me by how much fish you eat, I promise. Hey, you know you what? can try. <laughs> I don't care. No, I don't think we've ever you... cooked fish that there wasn't some leftover. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the day I cooked it at Strongman, we had some leftover. Oh, that buffalo. Are you making the buffalo? Oh, that's the best. 
So he yeah. makes like buffalo chicken wings, yeah. boneless. He does that in like fresh caught fish fillets. That's right. And yeah. it is fantastic. It is yeah. awesome. So that Bad is wings. one of the many awesome things that we do at Rice Performance where this podcast is being held is that we have a great community of people. We do podcasts with military. We eat. We lift heavy things. We train uh, scientific principles and athlete development and all this neat things. And we're only going to be doing more neat things. And that's mm-hmm. and it goes back to what you said with a pride and and um, entrepreneurship and stuff. And and we're trying to make the best. I want the best freaking gym in the nation. Absolutely. I want the be- I want Rise Performance to be a nationally known brand. I want a great community of people that is inviting. It's educational, and people are here to strive to get better. If you're not here to get better, we don't want you. Absolutely. You know, if you're here to, we we don't we're competitive here. And we might not be, you know, this may not be the place for you. So you don't have green participation ribbons behind. Absolutely, absolutely okay. not. No. I'll tell you what. Back to the pride deal. I, I'm all about pride. Be proud of yourself. Yep. Be proud of your team. I'm proud of Dawson. I'm proud of TC. I'm proud of Aaron. Proud of Dakota for for that stone he did. Uh, I'm gonna be. Let's say. Me and TC are going to the same uh, strongman competition. I'm going to be proud of him and be kicking his ass to get stronger all the way up to the competition. Absolutely. Day of competition, we're going to talk trash. I'm going to try and beat you. You're going to try and beat me. No matter where you place, I'm going to be proud of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know why? Because you did it. You made it. Absolutely. You set your mind right. You're there. There ain't no wrong with. There ain't nothing wrong with pride. That man, no. that pisses me off so bad. I'm proud of of everybody that's trying. Regardless, that's, a bit, that's what I love, 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 love about wrestling. Greatest sport, hands down. I think that that UFC, all of the combat sports. Are, is the best sport right now. If you're kid, you got kids, get them in it. Right no now. doubt, IKWF 100%. wrestling. You you start young. You discipline yourself on food. Not so much you have to be on a diet your entire life, but what you do is you limit out your little debbies. You limit out most importantly your Xbox, your PlayStation. Absolutely. You're this. If you want to be good Ooh. at wrestling, you go out and get it. What it is, if I'm on a wrestling mat, if I get if I get thumped, I get beat, it's on me. If I'm in a baseball game and Dawson or Dustin or Aaron swing and a miss, strike out, strike three, Dawson makes a bad throw from center field or big man, everyone on the entire team can blame them. Mm-hmm. When you're on a wrestling mat, it. it's you versus your opponent. If you mess up, if you're caught slipping, it's on it's you. On you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You cannot blame anyone but yourself. So there is no participation trophies in wrestling. 100%. And Zero. Here and I have a. I'm very passionate about this right now. I'm a certified strength conditioning coach. I coach all American youth athletes, adult athletes. I train nationally qualified and professional strongman and strength athletes. I get to objectively see these youth athletes that come to me, and I train them through through pretty hard and rigorous strength and conditioning courses. Hands down, the youth wrestlers are ten years more mature physically. Oh, you know, they. And not just physically, mentally. If I throw anything at them, there's no talking back to the coach. There's no rolling of eyes. They're so they advanced. Take it, oh, my God. Because, like you said, they've been one-on-one with someone, and they've learned how to fail, which is a beautiful thing. Parents, if you're listening, quit coddling your kids. Let them fail. Absolutely. Failure is a beautiful thing that You'll teaches learn. you so much. Learning how to overcome that and step back up will teach them so much for life. And I can see I got... People know all the kids I'm talking about. We won't name names. I got a nine and ten year old. Both are ranked top ten. In you the don't world. have to name names. Everyone knows who they are. They right? are phenomenal. I'd put them up against my freshman athletes in a fist fight, and they would work them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, and not just that. 
Their parents teach them right. They push them. But what they do is they wrestle on the national, international scale. They take them out of their comfort zone. They don't play baseball against the, the, the next town over. Mm -hmm. they, they go and compete against the best in the country, and they lose. They win some. They lose some. They win some. But they learn how to, like, if I want to play at this certain level or if I want to be the best at something, which that competitive spirit yeah, drive comes in. Because at some point, I don't care who you are. You can be the Xbox Geiger of, of the town. You want to be the best at something. It's in our heart. Oh, yeah. That's human spirit. That's human spirit of innovation. That's human spirit of how we came to involve the way that we have. And that teaches them right That's there. Sure. And I see it more in the youth wrestlers than any other sport, hands down. I mean, I have a young daughter. I'm trying to get her involved in it. She's a little bit of a girly girl. But uh, definitely if I have a boy, first thing, like there's no, even if he hates it, I want him to get in there and feel it. But well, you, every you time take, you take the camaraderie, camaraderie. <laughs> Good word. Damn. Oh, man. Kamayati. <laughs> hey, I'll take a I'll take a large kamayati. Okay, be about five ten minutes. But you take the camaraderie of a group of wrestlers that grew up together. For example, the two you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, it it's it boils it all comes down to the parenting, everything else. But with them two boys, I did it my entire life. My little brother did it as well. It comes way in is for example. 7 o'clock, at 6.30, 6.20, you're in the stall next to your opponent dumping the Browns off at the Super Bowl trying to make weight. Mm -hmm. You're in there having a conversation mm -hmm. with this guy. You know, I mean, you're the best friends. You both make weight. You shake hands. You go on. But when it comes time to get on the mat, I don't know you from Adam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could be my cousin. You could be mm -hmm. my brother. You could be my best friend. I'm on this mat for one reason one reason only. To win. Is to get that right hand Absolutely. raised in the air. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I will go down fighting until the end. Back to what Learning how to make how to put that switch in your mind, that's a learned skill. You're not born with that. No. no. Learning how to go from competitiveness, I'm here to win, to friends afterwards, that's a tough switch. Yeah. Emotionally and mentally, that's a tough switch. And if you don't put yourself in that situation to have to you'll do never, that, you'll never you'll never it. learn that. And then guess what? When you have to go and get get a job one day and you got, you know, Guy A over next to you, you're fighting for a position to, to better your family, to maybe get a little bit more money or to help somebody. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to be an asshole. That's it's, 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 a, you're gonna, it's a competition. The interview yeah. is a competition. You know, everything's competition. You've but got I, to have that. I wrestled, you know, I went to state two years, and the guys that I win or the, the matches I win, the guys that I beat, the people that, you know, the, the fellow wrestlers that beat me at the end – what is the one thing that the ref makes you do? Shake their hands. Shake hands. You're definitely shaking hands. You know how many hugs I've gave out through my entire life of wrestling? A bunch. Oh, absolutely. And the hugs I give out, you're literally one-on-one, -on -one, body on body. You're whipping their ass or they're whipping yours. But at the end, you get up, you're shaking hands, you're giving a hug, or you're doing, you know, vice versa. That that doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. Okay, take baseball, for example. <sighs> We go, we go win, we go do this. Every, well, you line up on first base, we'll line up on third base. You go through, you're shaking hands. You got, you got people spitting in their hands. There's nothing there's, personal. There's, there there's guys that have it's had It's just their, going through the motions. There's so let's talk personal. old there's baseball. There's guys that have I, had their jaws knocked off in the handshaking line. Oh, let's yeah. talk baseball for a second. I, I grew up in a baseball family. Dad coached college ball. I've been around 
Pete Rose, I've been around Billy DeMars as hitting coach. I've been around a lot of professional athletes. I was the bat boy for the Yankees in spring training. I grew up in a baseball, an old baseball home. And I got to see this, this evolution of the game from a young age to now, and it is disgusting. The era of Pete Rose sliding head first, taking out Ray Fossey's leg, it's done. Now, oh, yeah. guys hit a ground ball to shortstop. They walk it out to first base. They, they slap each other's ass on first and third. It's not a fight. Why no. do you think ratings have gone down in baseball? Yeah, I can't think But it's who has the better chains around their neck and who look, who's got the better swag and the kids. It, and it's showing up in the kids Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I get these kids. Well, they need to go home and watch that shit and they just, they don't know any better. They soak it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Baseball used to be a. a, a it used to be the thinking man's game, it, right? No, it was the hit all. And, it was the all American sport. All Amer it was the American pastime. Yeah. There was hit and runs. There was head first slides. There was strategy. Now it's let's swing for the fences. Let's strike out 120 yeah. times a year. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit 300 home runs. I'm gonna hit the, but right. strike out. Hit a, hit a buck. Hit a buck 80. You know, like. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it with my neon arm sleeve on and my yeah. My, Seashell necklace that Aaron brought me up from Alabama. It's that he got off the beach and, or something. And my hashtag Me Too shoes. Yeah, you, you know what? We need to get my dad on this podcast to talk about it. He's been around. He, he scouted for the Cubs for 15 years. He's been around some really good ball, and he, and he always instilled that in me. Like like I remember being at a young age. I don't care if you all for four. You sprint out. If you get a walk, you sprint to first base. If I didn't sprint to first base, I got my ass chewed in wow. front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and like, look at when I was that young boy, I was like, why is no one else's dad this hard on him? But now looking at it back, like I'm so thankful he did that. But that sport has really need really needs to change. It needs to go back to dogfighting. But look at it from where I mean, when you when you come in to playing baseball to where like you go watch youth league baseball now. Oh, it no. make you no, make you what, sick. They have no the, heart. There is no youth baseball. You know now. what? My travel name, teams. My it's number it. one stolen bases was travel balls. Travel. Now your your parents have to pay six hundred dollars a year. You get to be on a on a supreme travel team right. that every town has four. Even Anna of forty one hundred people. We got three travel ball teams, and every parent thinks their kids freaking special, yeah, and they're gonna get exposed. They, they think they're gonna expose these showcase camps. Man, let the kids fight. Let the kids compete and play. Get well, rid of the college idea. And yeah. <laughs> well, our drink maker over here is making the <laughs> getting us pretty oh. light. <laughs> I just got Ethan Uri bigger shit. <laughs> oh God! <sighs> yeah, you you sports is something I'm passionate about right now. And, it, and, I, and I get the objective now. Now, granted, parents, if you're listening, I get to objectively see this from all your kids. I see your, oh. I see the baseball kids, the football kids, the basketball kids, the wrestling kids, and baseball is the worst. Quit making Hands your kids play on these travel ball teams. Let them be multi-sport athletes. Play for your local legion team. Play for your local city league. And just compete. Let them play wiffle ball outside. Absolutely. That, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> like, so my team, my high school, I have a pretty good career in baseball. My high school team ranked fourth in the nation. Went 40-0 and and lost the state championship game. Four players drafted the major leagues. Eight players go division one. You know, like we we have. I've been around a lot of studs, and that's from Harrisburg. And I don't know nothing about. Uh -huh. that. Ah, but yeah. anyways, what, what like like the difference? I think I call ourselves like they're the last generation of that. But we were taught from our, from the classes above us with the with the Josh Alleys and the Jake Alleys. Those are and anybody from Anna knows them. Hard dudes. Yeah. 
badasses, great athletes. They fought, they kicked. I mean, they would yell at you, talk shit to you, but they were wonderful competitors. This goes back to the whole pride. The pride thing. thing. Zero. I remember I played zero drive. Absolutely. I remember I played with a few kids from Anna. I got. I was on like the first travel ball team in the Silver Bullets, and uh, I played with the kids from Anna. And my town hated me for that. Because the year before is whenever Josh Alley got his jaw broke mm. on uh, from from uh, over at Harrisburg Super Sectionals, but that that kind of pride between the towns and that f- dog fight existed then. Yeah. It doesn't exist now. No, hell these kids, no. these no. kids in opposing towns shake each other's hand. You don't have rivalries anymore. No, the no. rivalries are over with. Me growing up, I wrestled. You know what? I played baseball. I loved baseball. Mm-hmm. I was good at baseball, but but when baseball wasn't in or Wrestling was winter time. Then, I mean, I'm not saying soccer's not a sport, but I played soccer because I ran my ass off to keep me in shape for wrestling. Yeah. yeah. And then well, rolled, soccer's a good sport. And I then don't care what people say. Then it's I a- rolled into baseball, and I would end baseball to go play football, and I would end football early because then wrestling practice picked back up. I, I ran my parents' asses off. Yeah. Because I would I played four sports. Every single year, but my love and my passion was on the wrestling mat. And your parents were good parents to allow you to do that. You see a lot. I got parents now. They'll pay. They pay you up to four or five hundred dollars a month for me to train them. They don't even show up half the time. You know, That's like cool. I mean, growing. Think back to when you were a kid. And your, the way that your parents would drive you around and drop you off. That's a lot. That's a commitment that yes. we, we didn't appreciate when you were younger. But now looking at it now. And it, it, it's getting worse and worse because guess what? It's easy to go get a video game console, Absolutely. put them in front of it, and you get to go do what the heck you Absolutely. want to do. And if you don't think it, well, I'm a business guy, I'm an entrepreneur now, right? I look at long term investments daily. I'm thinking about them daily. I'm constantly making your your kids are your long term investment. I have a six year old. At some point, they will take care of you. I'm a Christian. You know, once uh, once the man, twice the child. They're going to take care of you one day. If you raise a soft ass uh, Call of Duty player, you know, yeah, playing Xbox Live. They're not gonna. You're gonna be taking care of them in their forties. Your best investment. That's what Haley comes to me. Hey, Finley's getting into drama now. She wants to do plays and stuff. I don't care if I gotta take a freaking loan out. If I gotta sell my truck and walk, I'm gonna pay whatever it takes to make sure she has the best possible anything that she wants to do and try it and do it. And I'll I'll quit a job if I have to. Find something you're passionate about and go with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go go Absolutely. do something. Above your comfort level, fail, and the failure is where you make. We talked about this before. That's yep. where you. That's where you learn. I always a fail- say a failure is not a failure. A failure is a life lesson. Absolutely, you I learn al- from that and you push forward. I always say this. I always say the top two. The top two ways to learn, in my opinion. Number two is learning from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one to me is learning from somebody else's, but both are are learning from mistakes. Yeah. If you can skip the point where you where you make your own mistakes, you're much better from, off. Yeah, you're but smart, if you're smart enough to understand that, not everybody is. You but know, you have to be able to pick up on that. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be willing to ask for a mentor and ask questions of the older generation. That's the problem. A lot of people have. They don't ask any questions. No, at all. they know it all. I mean, I'm, you're a gym owner. I'm sure you have people come in here and. They're possibly out here about to hurt themselves because they have zero form. And you're, if you come at me, you're a big dude. I'm gonna have to shoot you. They ain't no, they ain't no <laughs> doubt about it. I ain't fighting you. I'm shooting you. But I get. I, I'm I know sure. What, I'm sure that you see them from across the gym, 
and they have zero confidence to come up and ask you how to do something. Well, it's even worse than that. Dustin tested this. So Dustin's also one of my strength coaches, right? So he, he does a lot of strength conditioning now. Um, but you'll have a lot of people come to you and they want to pay you and they, you teach them and they want to learn. But you have some Joe Blows, Mr. Uh, small Town Gym Hero, that doesn't, one, has no credentials to say anything, has never had any experience. Like Dustin's a nationally qualified strongman competitor and soon to be a, 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 a what are you we doing, physique or bodybuilding? Physique. We're doing classic. I mean, that's bodybuilding, but no, not classic. I'm not heavy enough to be a classic. Okay, so he's doing physique. So, He's put the time in and actually done it. And you'll have people that come out here that know more because they benched 405 once at their local gym and don't ask those questions because their ego is too mm -hmm. bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's sad. It's and, sad. and me, and you're the same way. You have people pay. You know, that's, that's a business makes money. That's what it's for. Absolutely. You have people come in, they pay for your coaching and stuff like that. But I guarantee you, if somebody come up while you and I are lifting in here and like, hey, man, I need help on my squad. Is that, can you We're come over here and watch me? I'm going to come over there long. and make sure you, you've you got the proper guidance and I ain't going to pull out my wallet and be like, put something in here. Absolutely not. No, I, 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 want, I want people to come up and ask me, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I would love to help you because that guy right there might might be some computer tech or whatever mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll strike up a friendship with you. Absolutely. just ask that question and I'll be like, hey, man, I need to know how to do this on my computer. I guarantee you he'd be happy to help. Absolutely. Well, not only that, it's, it's you know, it, but you also have, like you said, your egotistical guys that I benched 335 because so-and-so got me to this point. No, so-and-so didn't get you to that point. You didn't get yourself to that point or this, that, and the other. The only reason you did this or tried it and it smashed you on your chest is because you've seen Joe Blow over in the corner do it. Well, the difference between you and Joe Blow is – Joe Blow's went through the programming. He's he's done everything right. He's using proper form, you mm. and, and everything else. And this this will draw back to another story when Dustin and I were by ourselves in a particular gym. Oh, yeah. A guy walked in. We were doing I forget where we were at. Dumbbell rack maybe doing strict strict curls or vice versa. A guy come in on a Smith machine. He loaded her up. Five plates aside, first move of the day. Five plates. His only yes, warm-up warm of the entire day was to put five plates on each side of that Smith machine. I'd say this guy was probably 5'10", 160 pounds. At the he max. Didn't look like he'd ever lifted a weight. At the max. Seen us over there, and that's all this was. He walked in our first – because it, it was one of those deals where you come in and watch him start loading it, and then him and I both at the same time were like, what is going on? Well, at that time, we turned to the mirrors and we're watching this guy through the mirror. And it, it what we thought was going to go on is exactly what went on. His only warm-up was putting five plates on each side. He got on, he racked it off the Smith machine. As soon, as soon as his knees bent a little bit, it smashed him to the floor, literally... Feet flat on the floor, oh, no. forehead, lips, everything else touching the floor. Is this the guy that broke his back? It's It smashed him oh, in the floor, broke his God. back. We ran over there, got it off of him, ambulance the whole nine yards. But, but, but that's where the egotistical shit needs to be thrown out the window. So he just here, wanted to show off. So here's what You're we, not impressing it, me, bud. No. The different, we're the only gym of our kind, and I'm going to say in a 400 square mile radius, 
what we allow here is chill. We allow kids here. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as you're supervised by your parent, we want your kids here. Yeah. So if I can catch you at a young age, like you're to learn good habits starting at a young age, that's going to stay with you forever. This is exercise. Whether you want to power lift or, or do anything for your life, at least you have a skill now that can go with you. And that's what we do here. Like Dustin said, we got what, five strength conditioning coaches. We're here 15, 16 hours a day. We help everybody. We see someone do something wrong, we help them. But here we created this culture where it's okay to ask. And oh, we tell everybody right now, I think we got a couple signs. Well, if you master your ego, you master your life. And it all starts, it, the, the gym and the exercise is a great place to start that. You have to do shit that's hard that you don't want to do, and you have to do it right. And you have to ask some questions every once in a while. But if you create the right culture, people do it. Absolutely. And the thing that I love the most, I love the most, is everybody's so proud of each other. We've got a 700-pound deadlifter right here at the table. Dawson's seven, he's pulled seven before. Anyway... He will stop what he's doing, and I will too, no matter what I'm doing, to go watch a 100-pound girl go for a PR of 200 pounds. It's a beautiful thing. I, I love it. I don't care who you are, how big you are, how long you've been doing this. A PR is a PR. PR is a PR. A every journey is their own. Every, every strength journey gets you against you, and that's really the thing in life and any other sport. If you master yourself and you realize, like, I'm really just fighting myself. Wrestling, for example, if you put a bot up there or anything else, it's you mastering your skill, knowing what move to do in the right place. It's you against yourself. Mm -hmm. That's all it ever is. That's right. And when you understand that concept, boy, you want to be successful, that's how you freaking do it right there. And, you know? you know, and there's people that will come into Rise Performance 6 when I say, well, you know, I've seen better gyms. Well, no, what, what you have seen is, you know. About, about 400 more, machines. Pretty yeah, you've seen, gold, a, gold, a Globo gym. You've seen <laughs> All more, the cardio equipment you've seen more, that you don't need. You've seen more equipment. You've seen more free weights. You've seen more of this, that, and the other. Two, three stories. There's places like that, yeah, out in Cali, but everything else. But what you don't have at other gyms is, and I'm not just saying this because I'm best friends with these guys, but the environment, the camaraderie. Oh, yeah. Dawson's 700-pound PR deadlift is it's, no more impressive to me than, oh, Tiffany's 200 pound yeah. deadlift PR. It's a PR. Yeah. Or how about Preacher Man? You know. Oh, absolutely. Can't say names. Go ahead. This guy came to me. He's an awesome guy. He's our he, he's our local preacher. He's a he's a philanthropist. He's a theologian. He's a historian. Very well versed and funny as I'll get at. But he hangs out with the guys. He's the modern day Martin Luther. He'll drink with you. He'll shoot it straight with you. But he he was very overweight when he first started coming to us. He's like, you know what? I want to learn. And he's and he's got a mind for that. And I, man, a guy that will come out and say that, I will oh, flat yeah. climb mountains to, to teach a guy to do that. Absolutely. And so he started, what, eight months ago? Never touched a weight in his life. Today, he is probably more well-rounded and understands what to do in the gym and how to set up programming in proper form better than 99% of most people. But well, look at him. If people Lost 100 pounds, gotten stronger. But... His stronger isn't my stronger, isn't anybody? It's his own journey. Exactly. He went from never benching before the other day. He had his, he had his first time he hit uh, two thirty five on a bench press. That's massive for him with perfect form. Yeah. Or his deadlift, you've got four oh five, right? Never deadlifted eight months ago. Now he knows how to set his back, how to keep a how to keep a a, a good rigid spine, how to brace appropriately, how to do everything right. Now he's about to compete in his first strongman competition. Yeah, he's signed up. Ready? He's signed he up. He's signed ready to up. go. He is ready to go. In but this was an eight month journey that eight he looked, that he looked dead in the eye and said, "I'm coming for you." Yeah, I'm coming. And he did. Yeah. 
They and he did still... 100 pounds lost, type 2 diabetes. He's now going off his type 2, because type 2 diabetes medication. What people don't understand, type 2 is very controllable. You can fix that by going to the gym. <laughs> and he's fixing it. He's going to cure himself of type, type 2 but by pushing you, himself. But then you have the, you know, the, the couch goers, the lazy boy sitters, the, you know, this, that, you know. Oh, well, when you lose 100 pounds, you look loose. Come look at this man and tell me, come look at this man and tell me he looks loose. He done mm. it the right way. His Absolutely. skin's hanging off. Oh, he 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 looks nasty. He's saggy. No, nope. he's not. No. By no means. No. By no means I think is this man saggy. You know why? Because I, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he didn't that, go on some extreme diet. He, no. he did it the right way, and he let the process work itself I, out through time. I'm also not saying you know the the people that you know they want to do it the quick way. To go get the lap bands and the this and the that—that's mm-hmm. fine. You go get that, but if you don't change, you you're have to change up. Predicament. Yeah. You have to change that up to come in here. You got to get on the <clears> treadmill. <throat> you got to get behind the weights. You got to do this. You, you got to do something. Yeah. To tighten that up. Sustain but, it. But anything. There's guys I there's guys I work with. Yeah. That went and got the lap bands lost, a ton of weight. But they didn't change their character. Hundreds of pounds. Gained it back. Everything is back. Yep. Or what they did lose, and now they are. Went and bought a treadmill and they got it in the spare bedroom at the house. They'll walk how, five, ten minutes. How much, how much pride comes with going to get those lap bands? None. None. Yeah. None. So I think the first thing that we try to do here is change that entire mindset of quit worrying about what you look like and let's worry about what you can do. You're not because trying. that that's the why behind. It. You got to find that. You got to find that. I like the word impetus, my word of the week. Impetus, that reasoning, that deep freaking burning desire why you want to do that. And Joey's got three kids, preacher man, has three kids under the age of four and he's type two. He's over 400 pounds. Do you want to be here for your grandkids, bud? That, that, that's, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Look at him. And anybody else that's listening, so let's not even care about what we look like. Let's start worrying about like, how, what kind of quality of life do you want to do? And do you, want to, do you want to be able to pick something up off the floor? Well, guess what? That's a deadlift. Absolutely. Let's learn how to perform. Do you want to be able to get down and get something? That's a squat. Yeah, or when you get older and you want to get on and off the shitter. Do you, yeah. And that's, that's a, a serious, real thing. That's do you a want serious your, issue when you get older. Absolutely. Do you want your 20-year-old daughter to have to wipe your butt for you? That That's the kind of people that we get in, 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 in watching those people change no, but and, and get a better it, life. That PR, that's better than a thousand pound squat. Absolutely. But I'm not 100%. trying to be 55, 60 years old and have an ADA shitter handle screwed to screwed to the studs in my bathroom Absolutely. so I can get up and off of it either. No. There's, but, I ain't trying to do that. But guess what? If you don't if take you care of If you don't, that's what's going to happen. If you don't take care of your physical body, that's what's going to happen. That, that is 100% what's going to happen. It's just like maintenance on your car. You got to take care of it. I'm telling you right now. I, God. I'm damn. A, <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. This is on video, and then the people watching, I, I'm bitching them on it, but this, I'm telling you. Stout, huh? Can you feel how hot it is? I can, I can <laughs> feel I felt, it, yeah. I felt the, the, the insulin rush immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I've got people, I'm not trying to brag or nothing. I'm not saying that at all. I'm trying to go back to what you're talking about. Yep. Hell, I'm only 31 years old. I'm about to turn 32. I've got a lot of buddies. When I hang out with them, I feel like I'm hanging out with grandpas and grandmas because they don't exercise at all. 
They all say the same thing. Well, I ain't got time. I ain't got mm. time. Well, they sit and watch TV for two hours. Yeah. They're talking about Yellowstone and, and these other silly-ass shows. Turn Yellowstone off. Yeah. Get in here for 30, 45 minutes. I'm telling you right now, I've got tons of friends that can't that could not even play dodgeball out here. Oh, yeah. I, and I feel like I've, I feel like I'm in my prime. I feel better now than I ever have at 31, 32 years old. And I'd say 90% of my friends... Can't do it. Grandpa's, grandpa's. Yeah. You will. But do... not only that, not only do they is their mobility at the grandpa stage, their looks. Oh yeah, you and can, everything they, they, else oh, yeah. that come with it. You're just like, like bro, you're 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 31, 32 years old. What? You got a whole lot of life ahead of you. You need to get hell, your yeah. shit together. <laughs> yeah, you got a whole lot of life ahead of you. That's what. Oh, I I ain't, I ain't got time. I ain't got time. Well, all that money you got time to drink a twelve pack every day after work. Absolutely. Yep. All that money you're putting into retirement, and you may only get a couple years. Oh, of that's my favorite. That. You might if not that. even see it. That's what I came yeah. from the corporate world. Now I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I, I came from the corporate world, and, I, and so many people I worked with. Oh, you get to save for retirement, your four hundred one k, your Roth IRA, do all this, and then you'll live a happy life. Those people that told are telling me this are 50, 60 years old, their kids hate them, they're overweight, they're all on high blood pressure, blood pressure medicine. They live a horrible life. And I looked at that and I said, why in the hell would I want to do that? No, I mean, no. you don't get to do anything. No, I want to live life on my terms. I want to be healthy and fit. I want to do physical things. Like I think we talked about, I want to go out west on a freaking elk excursion, bow hunt, backpack, the whole freaking thing. And guess what? I'm in good enough shape. If I want to go do that tomorrow, I can. Absolutely. I can. Am I invited? Why, hell yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what, we'll even put you on some online programming to prepare your conditioning, which I feel like I don't have for the mountains right now either. No, 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 no. But we can. We can. We, we can there. build that to peak into an elk hunt. There's no reason though. why you can't peak into a mountain elk hunt just like you would a strongman competition. It's a, Yeah, There's Absolutely. no reason why you couldn't do that. We have the ability to do that for anybody. And I, 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 I will do. even work in routines to improve your, your shot with a bow or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Into the program. Well, who does that? That train to hunt? That's a really cool thing. I've, I've, I know that? what you're talking about, but I can't remember who does that. I know program. Joe Rogan's big on it. Yeah. Like, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. I think that's something that would... By, by, I told you this. Next year, bow hunting is my new... I'm a, I, I pick one hobby a year. I'm not going to let you live it down either. Oh, I don't know. All I know is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life was I come up here to Illinois as an Alabamian. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in great shape by no means at all. I thought I was okay. I'm fairly young. Me and this guy go turkey hunting in South Illinois. And where I'm from, this table's is about as healy as it gets. <laughs> and uh, we're walking up and down these daggum hills. Now, Southern Illinois is no playing around now. We yeah. got some terrain. And I'm over here dying. <laughs> Speaking of which, we got a couple stories we need to tell about running through some brush and some hills on our hog hunts. Let me Let, let me just tell you this right here. So, we get together with this old boy, and uh, we met him in Iraq. We met him in Iraq. Five war horse, and he was he was an Air Force guy, and he said he he hunts pigs, so we're we're gonna do a little pig hunting. Yeah, and uh, okay, so we meet up with him, and he runs dogs. Well, after we go, we went once. We figured it out. Figured out how we're gonna do this. We killed us a pig. Had a good time. Cooked him up. Well, by golly, we're professionals. Number two. We thought we were going to film this bad boy. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, we had a GoPro duct taped 
to a mag light. Whenever I say a mag light, I'm talking about the one you can beat intruders off with. Yeah, held like 25 20, D batteries. Yeah. It's about D. 17 feet long. Yeah, and weighed 25 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But we had a GoPro duct tape to the daggum flashlight, thinking we were going to be good because we're on foot with dogs in the sagebrush. Right. Well, all you saw was his ass the whole time. Right. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You can't even hear nothing. No. It sounds like the Blair Witch Project. So I want to talk about my first, I think it was my first hog hunt. It was definitely my first hog. But do you remember, um, so basically you got your catch dogs and your, your, bay dogs. your bay dogs. So the catch dogs ride on the four wheeler. Bay dogs go out and find, get on the trail. They find a hog, get them, get them bayed up. Bayed being holds them in place. So once you get a hog bayed, held in place you get there as quick as you can with your catch dogs when you get close you let your catch dogs loose they go up there they get a hold of the hog the point is you need to get up there and you need to get him stuck with a knife that's what we did we hunted them all with knives so my first hog hunt primitive very primitive <laughs> the most primitive that's the that's a, that was a hell of an adrenaline rush oh man it was I'm awesome sure it was. my first hog hunt so I, th- I think we only killed one hog that night, and it was mine. But anyway, the goal was to get me a hog. Well, find them big head. <clears throat> it was it wasn't a big hog, but the goal that night was to get me a hog because it was my first one. So we pull, we pull up on the four as close as we can. These dogs are big. We can see it on a on the tracker or whatever. We can hear them. So we get to catch dogs out. We're headed that way. We let the catch dogs loose, and as soon as you let the catch dogs loose, you're running right behind them full speed. You're trying to keep up with them. So, we've lost sight of the catch dogs. Hell, they was probably only 30 yards ahead, but we do this all at night. Next thing I know, the only guy that's in front of me is my buddy Drew, uh, and I see him hurdle, hit a hurdle, jump. What the hell? Well, about that time in my headlight, I see a, a hog coming. I hurdled the hog. We had bayed uh, a group of hogs. There's was, was about 30 of them in there. There was piglets. None of them were any big. It was chaos. Mass chaos. That that catch dog went, he went from piglet to piglet. Crunch, 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 (laughs) crunch. Leave him lay. And anyway, we got up on that hog. It was probably 100, a little over 100 pounds. Got that sucker, but boy, I was hooked. Hey, that's something that uh, I could agree with with anybody as far as trying something new, especially in anything in the outdoors for people that are not familiar with the outdoors. For me... Whenever you're going to try something new and learn about something totally different you've never been around in your life, it doesn't matter how big they are. You, no, no. That pig could have been 30 pounds. Well, to me... And I'd just been tickled to death with it. Absolutely. I'm telling you, it was a little bitty old thing. Oh, for sure. Good eating size. It, it, it had me hooked right there. It's just like when I went on my first duck hunt. First duck I ever shot was the first duck I ever had the opportunity to shoot. It was a woody hen. Mm-hmm. To me, that was a life changer. Huge. Life changer. Woody hen ain't nothing. I mean, it ain't, oh, no. it ain't nothing crazy, but it, boy, it changed my life. That oh, hog changed sure. my life. Just like, you know, back in September, a couple friends of mine went for a bachelor party to Arkansas for a trout fishing trip. That's something I've always wanted to do. I've never been trout fishing. I don't know anything about it. The first fish that I caught was in, within a matter of about five minutes. Probably the smallest trout in the White River in Arkansas <laughs> on a 14 mile float the trip. The smallest one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I hold the record. <laughs> smallest trout ever. 
I was so proud of that fish. I made everybody stop with that. And were look doing. at it. Look, look at my fish. Everybody paddle over here. What I caught. Take my picture right now. Stop what you're doing. Get your worm out of the water. I need a. I need a picture. <laughs> you got a bite? I don't care. Quit. Get over here, stat. Get a look at this fish. Oh boy. Boys, well, it's, uh, I hate to cut this off, but we got us a fish fry going, and we're getting down the time it needs to be. We need to be working on our fish. Sounds like we need to get after it. Yeah, sounds and like it's getting kind of noisy out there too. So it's it's definitely uh it's definitely riled up out there now. Yeah, there's dogs barking, weights are clanging, trucks are fired up. Serious weight around out there. Yeah, I saw that. I'm about to get in their ass about that. Keep it down. Set it down quieter. <laughs> All right. Well. I feel like we did a pretty good job here. I'm pretty excited to put it together and see it. And we appreciate you having you, Aaron. And uh, I hope to see you back on here. Yes, sir. We didn't cover, I mean, not even a fraction of the stuff I thought we were going to cover. No. But, so next time, we'll get it done. Yeah, we'll make it a next time for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we'll no. figure it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, well, signing out. Here we Alrighty, go. All righty, see you.